0: Welcome back to another episode of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan.
1: What's going on, Grump? It's one of my favorite times of the year with, you know, all the different playoffs going on. I'm making a rundown to Tampa on Thursday for game six for the Lightning. You know, basketball is great right now, even though there's no Knicks. Uh, but there's always time to talk about our beloved New York Giants, so let's let's do that today.
0: Of course, we we finally have a draft class. We we knew everybody reported on that last week. Reported. We we did an episode on that last week. Um, a lot of those guys I hadn't really uh, done work on. Unfortunately, I counted actually. Uh, the players that I did film review on it was two hundred and fourteen, and with our eleven draft picks, we managed to draft like five guys. I had never done any work. On. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but that's what <laughs> it. Happened.
1: Never fails, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like some of the guys, I, I you know, whatever. Um, but you know, we have, you know, we have a brand new team now. You know, now we have draft class. We have confirmed undrafted free agents that were signed to the team or whatever. And um, we finally have what we were waiting for for a while now, and that is the James Bradbury move. That hammer has finally dropped. And today, this is being recorded Monday night, uh, James Bradbury was released, releasing the necessary cap savings for us to sign this draft class, get under the salary cap, and field a team. Um, So he is now a free agent to sign anywhere he sees fit, which is probably the big the big hold up for as long as it's been.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, let's be honest. The Giants really wanted to keep James Bradbury. They really, really wanted them. They could have maneuvered to keep him on this roster. I mean, they they made other decisions. You know, they decided they wanted to keep guys like Sterling Shepherd. They decided they wanted to keep guys like Leonard Williams. They decided, you know, they decided not to trade one of their high draft picks. You know, there there were other ways to maneuver around the cap to make it all work, and that's just the decision they made. And I think the fear that everybody has that, oh, we might go to the the Eagles or, or Washington or something. James Bradbury is good. He's not Deion Sanders. So let's relax a little bit about him. Um, you know, it'd be a shame if he does end up in the division somewhere, but, uh, you know. They made the evaluation they made the decision they'd rather you know find other ways to you know guys to keep and guys to retain and guys to sign so we'll just have to live with it i mean this this is the situation we're in and you know hopefully going forward you know with an increased cap and better cap management that won't be a problem going forward
0: yeah um it's it's super unfortunate right like this is This was kind of the nuclear option of James Bradbury. Um, I agree with what you said. I I think that they wanted him to return. They knew the depth at the corner position and what it was. Uh, Mm -hmm. They also knew that even if they did get a corner in the draft that could start, that's still shaky ground. You know what I mean? Like, I I get nervous. I, I, you know, Sauce Gardner might have a whack first year. It's very possible. It happens all the time with corners, Mm -hmm. that it takes a year or two to acclimate. So they knew that, too, going into this. And, uh, you know, like like you said, they chose to keep guys, restructure guys like Sterling Shepard, restructure guys like Blake Martinez. And they didn't—I'm not saying that they didn't do that with him, but if they valued him beyond just being a starting corner, they could have cut those guys, Mm -hmm. fixed those problems through the draft— and uh and kept a starting corner here but i think ultimately they knew that he was pretty much here on a one-year deal and well kind of just doesn't fit wink's system
1: that's a massive point that you're not cutting a guy like if you cut leonard williams for example you know you're losing him for you know, what, three more years or something mm-hmm. for one year you know again we're talking about the rebuild is a multi-year program how to do this and it's not like James Bradbury is make or break for this team's gonna make the playoffs this year or make a Super Bowl run. So they, you know, must have made the calculation that you know if we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding, and we'll take the hit now while we can afford to take the hit. You know, they'll, you know, most likely will be targeting a cornerback in, in the draft next year as one of their high priorities, and they'll rebuild and they'll, and they'll move from there. I, I just, when you're in this situation, you can't do everything. You know, so you have to make pr- certain decisions, priorities, and. Offensive tackle, edge rush, you know, those are the main priorities in the draft and you know, what they need to build and, and what they need to uh, you know, increase depth and stuff. And just cornerback was just not with one of their main
0: priorities 3 year one. Well, not even necessarily because, I mean, even if it was, things were just out of their control, right? I mean, by the time they were picking at five, both Derek Stingley and Saws Gardner were off the board. So yeah. now you're dropping to the third best corner at five. You don't want to do that. And, that, that you know, that's when you, you look at your situation and how bad you are all up and down the roster and you see it as a good thing because now you're not scrambling to reach for a need. You've got mm-hmm. needs everywhere. Just pivot your position. And that's what they did. But and that meant – You could uh, have started
1: in the second round though too. I mean they just didn't –
0: yeah, but I mean again, there's a huge drop off in talent there and it comes down to picking guys that you like. If there's nobody there that you I'm just I'm playing yeah. devil's advocate. If they yeah. even even if they did value corner, it didn't fall their way. So it mm-hmm. just it just becomes that's where we're taking the hit this year, the end. You know, it, yeah. it sucks, but we were going to take the hit somewhere because they didn't come in here with 11 draft picks that in the first round to right. fix 11 holes. That's not how this worked. So right. At the end of the day, they knew they were going to take a hit somewhere. And Bradbury, kind of, you know, outside of being more of a zone corner than an attacking downhill press man corner, not that he can't play that, but he's just, that's not his strong suit. He ultimately, for $13 million, doesn't really fit the system. So it Mm -hmm. makes sense from that standpoint. And it sucks as a fan because, you know, I think naturally every fan just wants to see their team win and be good and do well. Uh, right. and it, it, it sucks to go into this season just being like, you know, maybe don't worry about wins this year and
1: worry about seeing well, improvement. We, then they haven't been listening to this show all year. Cause we've been preaching it all along that we don't really care about the record in this first yeah, year. And, but even for me,
0: I can't speak for you, but even for me, that's a tough pill to swallow. I have to keep reminding myself. Oh,
1: that. it is. It's a tough, I mean, we don't want to be in this situation, but we are. And to me, it's just like, I'm not going to be sitting there just like, you know, if I'm in the Middlelands in a game in October and we're playing Washington, we're gonna lose, I'm not gonna be like not gonna look at you and go, you know, Grump, well, it's year one and well, whatever. I'm gonna be yeah. pissed. Yeah. But <laughs> that doesn't mean that, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things that it's the smartest thing to do. It, it, it's yeah. Um
0: so you know, Let's let's We're going to get into what this new team looks like now. And it wouldn't really make any sense to start here normally from an organizational standpoint. But we're going to start with it because it's what we're talking about. And that's the cornerback depth. We'll start there. We'll start in the secondary. So we'll just start on defense. And that's Wink Martindale's most important part of his defense. Uh, and that is a glaring problem. So Adoree Jackson is penciled in as our starter on one side. And you feel pretty good about that as mm-hmm. – as far as him as a player, the issue is I don't think the dude's really ever played 16 games, and it's now a 17-game season. So there's that Problem. concern. Yeah, Um an issue. The other issue is that opposite him is no real viable starter. Um, I happen to think that maybe Rodarius Williams or Jaron Williams is going to have the inside track on this one. I know people are kind of saying Aaron Robinson, but I think... I think that if you're taking not really a mulligan on this year, but if you're just kind of taking this year for what it is, it doesn't make sense to push Aaron Robinson out to the boundary if ultimately you feel he's best in the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and position I, yourself I, for the future. yeah, position yourself for for the best of the player and what this team's going to be. It, it would almost seem like you're confusing the shit out of this kid. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, and I I think he'll be in the competition, but I think ultimately they would rather jaron williams or Darius williams kind of take that one
1: yeah i think we need to stress development over short-term yeah wins that may in the grand scheme of things i mean you are going to win five games instead of six because you do that I, I i completely agree with you um there's another guy in here and that's
0: third round draft pick cordell flott so the interesting thing here is that uh he kind of played all over the place at lsu in this last year mm-hmm. uh Mainly due to injuries, and I think if if they didn't have the 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 terminal year that they had, you know, he probably stays and replaces Derek Stingley on that roster. Uh, everyone's kind of penciled him in as a slot corner, and. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like a, a genius or that I, I really know what I'm talking about, but I don't see why that is. I don't know why. I think he's got the right length, speed. He's got the right skill set, the right mentality. I think everything about him screams he is a potential boundary corner here. Uh, he does have the quickness, I think, to play in the slot. I think also he has the versatility to move all over the place, kind of the way they use Logan Ryan and, and um, oh, my God, what the hell is his name? Oh, Patrick, Patrick Graham system. um. <laughs> I don't know where Cordell Flott is going to play, but I wouldn't rule out the boundary corner spot eventually. I know – also, he's only like 20 years old. He left mm-hmm. early. He's very underweight. He's like under 180 pounds at 6 feet. That's way too light. But, um, you know, I, I, in two years, if he's a – yeah, if in, in two seasons, if he's the starting boundary corner, I really wouldn't be shocked.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, that's that's kind of the corner position. I feel really shitty about it. I don't know how you feel.
1: Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of right now is that we're expecting to have a better pass rush Mm -hmm. and a better overall defense that might take some of the pressure off the back end, having to rely on them to make more plays than they need to. So I don't know (laughs) how much of a help that really is going to be at the end of the day. I mean, you still have to make plays back there, but... uh, well, I mean,
0: they, they may have to be in man coverage, so they have to hold up long enough.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, so. yeah, concerned, very concerned. But again, I think with our philosophy of, you know, this is going to take some time, it's a little bit, I'm a little bit tempered in my, oh my God, it's going to be a disaster, you know, the end of the world type of thing. I think it's something that will be addressed in, in due time, but this year's going to have to deal with it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also a numbers game. You know, I think it's just Mm -hmm. one of those things that you just have to throw a bunch of numbers at. So it was always going to take time whether they made it their top priority or not, you know?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Let's stay in the secondary a little bit and talk a little bit about the safety. Oh, I I don't want to leave out Darnay Holmes, but he feels like. He's going to have to really work his ass off to stay on this team. He feels very much like uh, the afterthought of a prior regime that doesn't fit a system. I really like Darnay Holmes, but he... In man coverage, I just don't know. And he's certainly not a boundary guy. Uh, He didn't look so good on the boundary, even at UCLA. So I'm rooting for him to step up. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's just what he is. Just the odd man out. Mm -hmm. You know. But moving over to safety... uh, I don't really feel too much better about this one. Uh, Xavier <laughs> McKinney uh, certainly is uh, something to feel very good about on the back end, but Julian Love is uh, a functional backup that shouldn't be starting. Newly acquired draft pick uh, Dane Belton, you know, to me, I had him pegged as a fourth, fifth round draft pick, which is kind of where he's drafted. It's not really starting corner material, but you know. He does kind of fill that downhill role. I would have liked a guy like him to be drafted if we had, you know, Jabril Peppers on a one year deal or something, something where he could kind of sit and learn and get some sub package experience. Beyond that, they went and signed two undrafted free agents, and Yusuf Corker from Kentucky and Trenton Thompson from San Diego State. Um, Yusuf Corker is somebody I actually did work on. Thank God. I had mm-hmm. already nice done job. the work. Um, downhill box safety. His backpedal is garbage. Uh, I, I had him as a seventh rounder UDFA, so this is kind of where I had him pegged right, uh, where he landed at least. Um, I think that uh, I wouldn't feel too happy if he was on the field uh, a these whole lot. T- these
1: all sound like just stopgap. These are just bodies right now. They're not. Even yeah. guys, they're bodies.
0: Well, I would say – well, Corker I would say is a body. Belton is a draft pick that I think you can develop that has is, – is an immediate depth guy but shouldn't be starting right away. Love mm-hmm. is another guy that I think is like – if he had to play for five straight games, it's it's OK. But you know, I wouldn't want to start the year with him. That's not my option A. The, the kid from San Diego State, Trenton Thompson, uh, I, I really like him. He's my kind of safety. Uh, I just don't know that he exists in the NFL anymore. Um, he's like the middle of the field enforcer that really likes to take heads off of guys. And I don't know how that's going to translate, but I think the Giants may have gotten him more for the special teams value. Um, he is a big special teams player. He's a good gunner. Uh, you know, we were talking just before we recorded this, you mentioned that that might be kind of the key there. Um, and he does have, uh, two block kicks. There um, and he returned a punt for a touchdown as well. Um, He's just a, a head hunter. Punt. Go
1: out there and just knock the shit out of the guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's sign is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't know if that exists anymore. What do you, you have to be so precise with your hits to not get a penalty?
1: Mm-hmm. But you know something, if this team's going to be challenged offensively potentially, and, you know, maybe the edge will be on special teams where, you know, if he can block a kick. Or he can, you know, create havoc, you know, knocking the hell out of somebody trying to, you know, catch a punt or something. I I
0: also wonder if, like, his whole role on the defense might be just to just blitz just go forward and like even if he doesn't get there just create enough noise to screw things up that
1: that that asked for that so yeah yeah, why not
0: i would i would like to to keep an eye on him and see how he does uh in in the in the summer months here i'd like to hear about how he's doing because he really is like a straightforward knock the shit out of you kind of guy and i Mm -hmm. love that i absolutely love that i just don't know if it's gonna work Mm -hmm. um you mentioned, oh, okay. So let's talk about safety here. Uh, how do you feel? I don't feel too much better about safety than I do Coroner. I feel a little better.
1: A little better because I feel comfortable with McKinney out there. You know, right. being the the uh, you know
0: the free safety kind the, of guy. the free
1: safety. But everything else is it's still again a, a massive work in progress and it to be continued. I think let's, you know, unfortunately, table that for next year as well. I mean, yeah, we really we, it's. It's going to be a big flashing light for next year for needs. And I know he did your priority. Secondary, secondary. Like to, <laughs> secondary, secondary, secondary. Um, and, you know, something, it might, be, it might be the thing where, you know, I know you guys don't want to hear this, but if they decide that Daniel Jones is the guy they want to keep around, you know, if it's either through, uh, you know, franchising him or whatever, the secondary is going to be the number one target you know, coming into the draft next year, whether it's or know, free agency. Court. I mean,
0: they'll have a shitload of money. That's true. Uh, and I, I, mean like me personally, I kind of like buying corners because corners are, once they're in the NFL, it's, you kind of know what you got in the it's NFL. It's more of
1: a proven commodity when you're buying. Yeah.
0: That's, mm-hmm. that's just how I feel. I, I, you know, I'm not a GM. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So moving forward to the, the off ball linebacker spot here. Um, Giants managed to retain Blake Martinez post-ACL. Uh, he did have that ACL injury very early in the year. I think that was week three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, we're hoping that the return-to-form version of him is still starting quality. Beyond that, you know, another Mr. Irrelevant, Tay Crowder, is still there. They went out and they added two guys uh, in the draft. Micah McFadden from Indiana and Darian Beavers from Cincinnati um McFadden is somebody I actually don't mind he was also somebody I did do work on uh I had him pegged around this spot in the fifth round here um and I you know he's he's actually pretty good at getting after the quarterback getting downhill he kind of he's like a team captain um I kind of like McFadden here but you know he, he I, I would like to see him fight for and, and earn a starting spot there um mm-hmm. Maybe Blake Martinez doesn't even really need to play. I don't know. Um, Darian Beavers, on the other hand, is, is one of those guys that I think like 20 years ago might have been like a third or fourth round draft pick. But this linebacker just doesn't exist anymore where he is just a straight ahead run stopper.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and like the, the term that everybody likes to use with him is a good one is phone booth. He has like literally no lateral mobility whatsoever. He is a straight <laughs> forward runner. Um, right. I honestly, I got to be honest. I don't know if he even makes the roster. Um, he's a tackling machine. I, I like him, but I, I don't know if he exists in the NFL. You know, there's, there's a chance that he doesn't even make the roster. He's, you know, not that good. Um, and then beyond that is just kind of Carter Coughlin <laughs> for for off ball linebackers. where
1: um, this show is getting very depressing right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does seem that the defense is kind of undergoing some stuff, though. But I, I, like I said, I mean, Beavers, you know, maybe he he gets a role in this team in depth, and they they can do some work with him over time. They can f- have a role for him in Wink Martindale's straight ahead kind of defense. McFadden, mm-hmm. I have legitimate hope for. I think McFadden can earn a starting spot, uh, either next to Martinez or next to Take Crowder. I'm not really sure how Martinez is going to shake out. Um, it's he doesn't have a huge history of ACL injuries. It happened a long time ago. At this point, we may be okay for a year, and then you know we can kind of reload next to McFadden next year. I feel lukewarm about inside linebacker. I at least feel like there's enough bodies in the room that it's okay, and we don't really ever need more than like two of these guys in the field.
1: One, two. yeah, I think lukewarm's a good, you know, a good term I would use for this right now. Nothing is making me you know dance around and say the problem is solved, but I also it's not. Uh, you know, a massive problem needs to be resolved immediately. So,
0: yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it feels like it's the kind of spot that like if you have one guy that's like a pro bowler there, it almost not that it doesn't matter who the other guy is. It's just like if if the other guy is a fifth round draft pick, you're probably all right, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So um, let's move to the edge spot. This is a position I feel a little bit better about. Um, the Giants went out and got Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, we've we've talked enough about him. Giants fans are mm-hmm. more than familiar with him. He's a legitimate pass rusher. He is the guy that every you know every team kind of wants a guy like this on their team. Uh,
1: and opposite him is Aziz Ojalari, who had a fantastic rookie year. Well, that, that that's the guy I really want to talk about. I think is you know what is his ultimate upside going to be now that he doesn't have to be the the guy as the principal Edra guy.
0: Which is, I mean, he could have double-digit sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would say I kind of need to see Wink's defense in action before I can really say, but um, Aziz is really good at beating guys in a one-on-one rep, and if Wink is throwing bodies at this defense and there's a mm-hmm. legitimate guy opposite, a, a guy that teams might fear more than ojalari on the other side of him, the more one-on-one reps he gets the more likely he is going to get home and get a sack
1: yeah i'm not so interested or concerned about numbers like is he going to have x amount of sacks or something i'm just like
0: you
1: know not being the central focus and and being able to be you know handle more one-on-ones and stuff
0: well yeah yeah yeah. so so, okay so then the number you really want to be striving for is the pressures Mm -hmm. um because that means he's impacting the play whether he gets the sack or not um, you know, if somebody else gets it, or if it forces a throw away, or it forces an incompletion, or an interception, or anything. Right. Um, you know, those pressures, they, they impact plays. Uh, How much
1: more disruption can he
0: provide? You know, I, as I a mean, person? I think the sky's the limit. I mean, the dude wins one on one reps, and the more he gets. Like, okay, so even in last year's defense, I think that. With Thibodeau on the other side, we'd be seeing double digit sacks out of Ojolari, much higher mm. pressure rate, etc. Now we're going, we're introducing Kayvon, and we're also in this much more attacking, aggressive defense, prioritizing man coverage and, and creative blitzing and, and things like that. I can only imagine that that just amplifies the opportunities for Ojolari to impact a play. Um, mm. so, so Kayvon doesn't really need to have giant sack numbers. I think. You know, giant pressure numbers, getting the attention, getting the double teams.
1: That helps the the whole team. The problem we saw too often when, you know, big plays against the Giants where there was no disruption in timing. Quarterback, Mm drop back, seven step, through. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you want to get off these guys, off their cadence, and you want to cause some disruption. And that's what we're hopefully getting now.
0: Yeah, and don't forget, too, they can move guys. Mm-hmm. these two can switch sides. So, it's not every team that has two great tackles on their team like the New York Giants do. Um, you know, a lot of teams have a good left tackle and their right tackle is kind of shaky. So, if you really wanted to, you could switch these guys, move them around, get different guys opportunities, you know, screw everything up for the for the offense. Um mm-hmm. so the the possibilities are really endless and it, it it's a little bit immeasurable. <laughs> The difference it makes to add a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau into the defense here um those two right there are fantastic one-two punch you add in guys like Quincy Roche who had a a, an impressive uh rookie year given where he was drafted that's all effort from him um Mm -hmm. you add in guys like Ellerson Smith who are really quick on the inside um and they have that extra length to bend around the outside. That's all potential right there. And beyond that, you know, Jihad Ward. They added Cam Brown is another one that they they have some athletic hopes for. Nico Lelos back there. Uh, O'Shane Zimines, I think, is. I, I'm surprised he's still here.
1: <laughs> is there any something with the contract, like after June first? That's, that's any difference? Or?
0: Probably, probably, uh, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel okay about this. I think that even if somebody goes down for a game, if Ojalari has a strained calf or something, and Quincy mm-hmm. Rocher has to play there, we're still in a better spot than we were in last
1: year. Yeah, I'm. We're finally at the point of the program where we can start feeling good about some things. you know, on paper, it looks a lot better. I mean, if you know, we'll see what Kayvon can do. right out. You know, it may take a little bit of adjustment time to the speed of the NFL, or he might come in like gangbusters. But it's someone they're going to have to game plan for right away and maybe that you know we don't know what he's going to do immediately probably is to our advantage because maybe they have to over game plan for a guy that's still getting his uh his his nfl his legs. Yeah. yeah 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 so yeah I, i'm uh, i'm feeling I, i'm feeling good with the potential that the it's not just for 2022 but the longer term, uh, stability of the edge rushers is there. mechanism.
0: I feel that way too. Yeah. It's the
1: first, it's the first time we've talked to the defense about we're actually building something towards something as opposed to stop gaps and well, we'll deal with it next year.
0: I I mean, it honestly feels like if they had the capability to add a mid tier veteran free agent to this group, I would feel fantastic about it. I would say that there are plenty of guys to rotate there's enough guys to fill in if someone gets hurt that we have a good pass rush. I would actually mm-hmm. use the word good if just by adding a veteran mid-tier free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that by next year, if they're not going to do that with their money, uh, that would be silly. But uh, I, it feels like a simple solution to make this unit good. And that by adding maybe maybe a little bit more than a mid-tier free agent, not necessarily a high price one, but they'd be potentially great it might be a strength of this team who knows mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i i feel very good about this spot i feel i feel okay i feel good about the spot i would feel very good about it it's uh potential for the future
1: yeah uh it's so far it's the best i feel about this any, any
0: anything we've spots? talked about <laughs> Um, on the defensive line, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, those are two staples for this team. Dexter Lawrence will be here next year. His fifth-year option was picked up. Uh, Raymond Johnson is still a part of this group. They drafted DJ Davidson from Arizona State, still guys like Ellis, Moa. Then there's three undrafted free agents that were brought in on the defensive line. Chris Hinton from Michigan, uh, Truesdell, and Valentine from Florida most recently. But those were both transfer portal guys, right?
1: Yeah, they uh, they came in last year. Uh, I want to say Valentino was from Auburn. I forget where the other one was from. And like we talked about with uh, Kyrie Elam, you know, before the draft, they were unfortunate byproducts of a very, very bad system. If you watch, for example, film of the Florida LSU game, you see them running for 20,000 yards because of a poor scheme and an inability of that coaching staff to make any sort of adjustments at all. So um, – they were kind of placeholders, one-year placeholders for the defensive line as they're going through similar rebuilding issues that the Giants are. Uh, let's put it this way. I'm not going to bounce my grandchild Gator on my knee and say I remember when these two guys played on the defensive line in 2021. But, uh, you know, we'll get them into camp and we'll see what we can do as see if either of them stick.
0: Yeah, I, I think I <sighs> – I know you well enough to know that if you're not excited about a Gator being a Giant, then I shouldn't be either.
1: Exactly. I, I didn't go to NFL.com and order my jerseys for these two guys. I, yeah, I mean, like, you wouldn't even text me something nice about them. You're just like, eh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Just, <laughs> and again, though, again,
0: to be fair. They are, I mean, they're also nose tackles, both of these guys. They're, they're unspectacular by right. Yeah,
1: they're not flashy to begin with, but the run game, the, the run defense was really bad. And it showed in in big moments, you know, and again, but I'm, I'm also going to give the individual players a bit of a pass because I think they were not put in the best position to succeed, too. Yeah. So.
0: um I actually liked Chris Hinton from Michigan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did work on him after the fact because uh, other people had alerted me to him, so he, he didn't make the episode we did on the defensive line. Uh, but I actually really like him. Uh, nah, I'm I'm overstating here. I I did like him. I liked him enough to draft him. I'd say that. I I would. I think if I had a late fifth round pick and somebody who really liked him in my ear, I could be talked into it then. Uh, but he's probably more of a sixth, seventh round draft pick anyway. But um, it's just one of those things where it feels like he's all raw athleticism. I don't really know his whole story, but he doesn't really just have like a lot of hand stuff going on there. He just he's just really quick. Moving inside, so he can just kind of blow by guys and then make a huge tackle in the backfield. But other times, he just tries to blow by them and just gets swallowed up because he can't get arms off of him So, mm-hmm. you know, a developmental guy, take a chance on him, undrafted free agent. Y- you can't teach speed, you know, you can't teach quickness. So, the- you know, maybe there might be something there. I'm not going to hold my breath.
1: Let me ask you something. You know, uh, talk about Leonard Williams. Do you think they made the right decision of Keeping Leonard Williams and, and uh, letting Bradbury go, or, you know, Leonard Williams, for everybody talks about the, you know, the trade and then the contract and now, oh, they overspent to keep him and everything. He's still pretty good. Um, he's, still the, he's still the anchor of this defensive line. So,
0: I, I you know, I don't know if people dislike Leonard Williams or if they just dislike the means in which he was acquired because it put the Giants out of leverage to be in contract negotiations. So they gave up a lot to acquire him. And then it was on such a short deal that they then had no leverage in the negotiations and he's now on a huge contract. But, but to answer your question, do I think that the current regime made the right choice in prioritizing keeping him instead of keeping Bradbury? I would say probably because it, despite whatever, you know, hoops, they would have to jump through financially. Cause I don't know that stuff the best. Um, I think Leonard Williams is the same caliber player as Bradbury. I think he's a year younger, but also um, he just fits the system. Mm-hmm. So
1: I mean, it's right there. Uh, I I think that because I just see a lot of people, you know, on Twitter and not just fans, but like some media people also are like, they well they double down on Leonard Williams, and that's probably what cost him.
0: You know, but, I mean, this pressure. regime didn't double down on him. You know, the prior well, I mean, regime did. It, it, it's
1: a lot of... People are coming off the top rope. Any chance they get to, to, to go after um, Gettleman?
0: Yeah, I mean, and
1: it's... Tis the season, right? I
0: mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the off-season, the first off-season of a new regime. Everything is... I mean, the first order of business when you take over is blaming everything on the guy before you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's come in. He's a guy that we as fans, represents a direction that we want to go in, so it's easy to like him. He hasn't tripped up a whole bunch, so it's easy to keep liking him. Um, and it's easy to keep hating the guy before who screwed up a bunch of stuff and put us in a situation we are although,
1: in. So, although I have to say something to you Giant fans out there. It's like... These guys are not going to tell the truth before the draft and after the draft. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, don't even get,
0: don't get me started on this. I, I know, made a I I fucking mean, joke this morning about how uh, Joe Shane lied to us about when we would know about James Bradbury. I was joking, and I, I thought that was obvious. It's apparently not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to know what the GM knows. Literally ever, I don't want to know what the GM knows. I, I don't. Agree. I don't want to know. I want to be in the dark. I want this information to be hard for me to figure out. I don't want the beat writers to be right about things. Right. I,
1: I don't want access. Like I know it's a big thing with the Knicks. It's like... Leon Rose, their GM, never is made available to answer reporters' questions or anything. And the reporters, you know, they get on his case for that because they can't do their job. They think they're more important than anything else. But I don't want to know. I completely agree with you. I mean – I mean I want
0: the reporters to ask. I want them to try to find out. But I want them to be wrong a lot of the time. I want them to be guessing all of the time. I don't don't want them to have thousands of sources.
1: It's like, you know – the draft is games, gamesmanship, and you know oh, free yeah. agency is gamesmanship, and, and and all these different things, and
0: and it worked. Let's uh, let's applaud Joe Shane for way. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of smoke about Kayvon Thibodeau not being on the board. There was a whole bunch of smoke about the Giants being all in on Charles Cross. All mm-hmm. of that was horseshit, and and I mean, not for nothing. It almost kind of feels like there was smoke about Kadarius Tony being on the trade block.
1: Yeah, let actions do the talking for you.
0: Yeah. All you don't need
1: to know before it happens. It doesn't make any difference if you know before it happens. Let's see it happen and let's see you know, what the moves are. Because um. otherwise, you're going to hate everybody. You're going to hate every GM that comes in here. I mean, anybody right now who does, has a, a bug up their ass about Joe Shane because of what he said, I guarantee you're never going to be happy with anything. So just get over it.
0: How do we feel about the defensive line? I feel pretty good about this. I have Leonard Williams for a couple of years. I have Dexter Lawrence for at least this year and next year. I like Raymond Johnson subbing in. I think we have a variety of bodies. DJ Davidson, by the way, we didn't talk about him. I don't really. I
1: think there's an inverted proportion that the closer you are to the ball being snapped, the more comfortable I feel about this defense. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's actually true. I didn't think of that. Yeah.
1: I mean, I feel very comfortable with Leonard Williams. I feel probably more comfortable right now than anybody else on this roster. You know, I feel great about the edge. Linebackers, eh, all right. Secondary, uh, Yeah. Worries about the safeties and you go further out to to corners. That's the biggest concern.
0: Yeah. By far for me. Yeah. Um, Briefly, let's flip through the offense. And, you know, we don't really need to go. There's no big significant changes to quarterback or running back. Um. You know, Ja'Shawn Corbin, I did work on him, by the way, running back from Florida State. Uh, Another guy that I had pegged in, like, the sixth round. Uh, He runs a little too upright. He's got some—best thing about Corbin, he's a steady blocker. I'll say that. He's a good pass blocker, and that's why I would have drafted him. Otherwise, very, very average. Uh, and runs a little tall, so I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't make the team. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a practice squad guy. Uh, but but the ability to block out of college is a huge plus. So I'm going to go with the him.
1: assumption that Saquon Barkley is healthy. Yeah. So and, until I'm proven otherwise, and I think with the yeah the improvements to the offensive line, and I, I'm going to say I'm comfortable with the running back room for right now. Yeah, same. That could change yeah. with the next injury, but right now. And and Adequate.
0: same thing with quarterback. I'm comfortable with Jones being the starter mm-hmm. with Tarod Taylor backing him up. I feel good there hey. with Tarod Taylor on a two year deal.
1: It should or get off the pot right now for Daniel Jones, and I think he's shown he's shown flashes that he's not completely incompetent. You know, can he be consistent?
0: <laughs> sure can yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, one addition to the running back room that we didn't mention is fullback slash H back Jeremiah Hall. Um, I actually was a big fan of his. Do think that there is a a sh- there's a spot for him on this roster, in my opinion, uh, as that that H back with the occasional fullback potential. Um, dude catches passes pretty well. Pretty good blocker. Uh, yeah, that that's somebody I think we should keep an eye on throughout camp. Okay.
1: Um,
0: wide receiver. Um, This doesn't really warrant a huge discussion, I don't think. But let's let's go through the top guys, and then the depth. I mean, just generally speaking, I feel comfortable with the depth. Wide receiver is one of those positions where uh, you know a lot of those guys that are bodies they don't really end up playing, and we have this giant conversation about the sixth wide receiver. You know, at the same time every year, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So you (laughs) know,
1: tradition like no other.
0: Yeah, I mean, just kind of going off the top, like, seven guys here. Galladay, Shepard, Tony, Slayton, that's four. Uh, Wandell Robinson is five. CJ Board, six. Colin Johnson, seven, right? I mean, I feel like that's probably the top seven right now. There's some other guys. Alex Bachman, David Sills, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know... Gallaudet on the outside as your number one. Kadarius Tony is is a weapon in himself. Wandale Robinson is the same thing. You know, what I mean, he's not as much as an outside wide receiver as Kadarius Tony is. He's mm-hmm. not as much as a route runner as Kadarius Tony is. Uh, he also he he spent some time as a running back, uh, mm-hmm. so that I think kind of stunted his route running development because he's not like he's a bad route runner. He's just an unpolished route runner. But, right. you know, put the ball in Robinson's hands and he's going to be magical anyway. And you still have the steady presence of Sterling Shepherd in there in whatever capacity. Uh, Darius Slayton, well, if he that, stays on the team, you know. I
1: mean, we get Sterling Shepard is past, but we got to see how he comes back from injury. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, I think Sterling Shepard to me is the guy that he may not play a whole lot. He might be the veteran voice kind of captain sort of guy in the wide receiver room that they were able to get on a cheap deal based on his life situation and um you know just his his career situation being injured at that time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: might have just been in the best cards for him to stay here for cheap for a year and the giants felt that even if he doesn't play he provides something valuable in the locker room at a certain position group that's Mm kind of how i feel about Shepard um i don't know if any of that's true Um, It it doesn't make me feel a whole heck of a lot better. (laughs) No, I didn't expect it to. Um, But I mean, as far as the starters go, Gallaudet, Tony, Slayton, Wondell Robinson, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. They all do something a little bit different, um, and yet there's some crossover there among them, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I've never been a Darius Slayton guy, ever. That's true. And, Checks you know, out. <laughs> what's that? Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I if he's still on this roster and he's still a, com- a contributor, that tells me that this room isn't deep enough yet. Sure. Okay.
0: Um,
1: it's a lot of unknowns, and uh, I don't know. I mean, we see the potential in a guy like Terius Tony. I mean, he had that game. He had 180 yards receiving and just looked like you know, the best player on the field.
0: But he literally looked like 22 people couldn't tackle him.
1: Exactly. So, uh, but again, can we see something like that for, you know, 17 games? Or even just like enough of it where, you know, he's a difference maker in a majority of games. I don't know yet. Who knows?
0: Yeah,
1: that's no, fair. And I feel,
0: I feel okay about this room in that I think that there's enough – enough talent at the top to feel okay about it, that there'll always be two talented guys available, which I didn't really feel last year. (laughs) I didn't feel like there were always two starting caliber wide receivers available at any given time, um, because there often weren't. Um, In that much, I feel okay. You know, in in terms of the overall health of them, I don't feel great. You know, Gaudet, Tony, Slayton, Shepard, all of them have checkered injury pasts. Uh, and Wanda Robinson's like five, eight and like 170 pounds. So it's not like he's some wrecking ball out there. Um, this is one of those, like, they're probably okay. Um, over the course of the next couple of years, they can add to this a little at a time and make it a strength. And, and it's also one of those things where, you know, you can get like a, a quality veteran wide receiver for not that much money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think I think there'll be some free agent additions in the coming years and stuff like that too
1: to help. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What is your long term thought of Kenny Galladay on this team? You know, I don't know. Uh, It's going to depend.
0: We have a bad a a bad recency taste in our mouths. Uh, His time with Detroit, he was he's kind of a big play machine. But they were a downfield attacking offense. I don't really know what the hell we were last year. I don't know what that was. Um, so it depends on what Brian Dable is able to do with him. You know what I mean? If we see, if we see the production from him and the fact that Daniel Jones and him have some connection, or, or, or you know that that Dable just sees something where he can scheme something that teams can't defend, then they'll keep him on the contract that they, you know, maybe they can work out some kind of restructure at some point where they can't afford him in the future. But, you know, it all depends if he doesn't fit into what Dable's is trying to do. If he has another dud year, if he's hurt, you know, I feel not that good. I think, I think his future with this team is entirely in his and Brian Dable's hands. Does that mm-hmm. feel like an accurate assessment?
1: Yeah, very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. tough for a guy like him to be tied so much to the quarterback, but that's such his life. Yeah. I- it is it is the story of most wide receivers right Mm -hmm. um i mean they're not trying to they're not trying to prove themselves they're trying to prove it with someone who's trying to prove it as well it it makes it yeah it's tough when your situation is not completely in your control
0: um moving over to tight ends this was a a spot of emphasis right um Mm -hmm. Ricky Seals-Jones, we've discussed him at length, probably shouldn't be a starter. I would say he's probably still the starter. More of a receiver than anything. He actually is a converted wide receiver to tight end. Um, the Giants went out and got Daniel Bellinger, uh, and they drafted him right about where I had him pegged. Um, he's he's a good blocker. He's a decent receiver. He's not much of a route runner. You know, They, they got themselves a wide tight end. Um, that can move pretty well and can block pretty well. And that's going to help out a lot of things. Uh, and I think he's really the number two tight end on this team. I think that's a good number two tight end to have, but it still doesn't solve the problem. The fact that Ricky Seals Jones is the number one mm-hmm. uh, and that, and that sort of sucks, you know, behind that they have Jordan Atkins, who's a you know, a whatever free agent. They got an undrafted free agent, Austin Allen from Nebraska um, contested catch kind of guy, shitty route, really shitty route runner. Um, you know, a decent blocker, I guess, you know I wouldn't have my hopes up too high. I did like him, but he he ain't gonna be coming in here and he's like a developmental guy. I'll say it mm-hmm. like that. He's a developmental guy. I feel lukewarm about tight ends. I feel I feel at least like we have the blocking tight end things sorta of figured out.
1: You feel that way? I don't know. Yeah. Try. Um and I think right now that might be more important. Than than worrying about a, a prolific catch, you know, pass receiving tight end. I think which is kind of
0: what we've been saying for years now, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, this offensive line. We're we're going to talk about it in a minute, but uh, you know, it's it's still under construction. There's a lot of potential. You know, we've we've upgraded, made some, but we we have to see these guys in action. I think they're still going to need a lot of help, and I think uh, you know these guys, if they are. They're good blockers. That's just going to assist even more. So I think, again, for right now where we are in the, in this rebuild, I think it's important to, to you know, fortify it with guys who can block. It's more important to me right now than that they can catch.
0: I, I agree. And and um, moving into. Moving into that offensive line, which is kind of like our our last stop here this episode. Um, most important part. Let's just stick with with tackles here um andrew thomas on the left side i feel great about him he was the guy i wanted that year he was the guy we got he looks like one of the best guys uh we've had at left tackle in a long time mm-hmm. uh you know dave deal certainly was a get the job done kind of guy will Beatty was on and off at best this is the nicest way to put it when was right. the last time we really had a shutdown left tackle it was really just dave deal wasn't it I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> it's been I mean, a while. I, we skipped right over Eric Flowers for good reason. So, um, yeah, right. Um, but then they go out and they draft Evan Neal, who legitimately a team could draft him as a left tackle and hope that he does that.
1: Well, I was going to ask you that: Is there any chance that he becomes a left tackle and they move uh, Andrew Thomas to right tackle?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a chance. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. do. It. Uh, Andrew Thomas hasn't played right tackle in like 4 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh I think he he already is in my opinion a top a top 10 left tackle in the league. I wouldn't say top 5. Uh but he he's if he's playing 16 17 games, he's a top 10 left tackle, I think. Um if you factor in age, right? Mm-hmm. Um Evan Neal I would say is already suited for the right side more than the left side. Um, he had a pretty good job, you know, playing left side for Alabama. I think I'll say this: if Andrew Thomas gets hurt, I think it makes more sense to move Evan Neal to the left side and have Gano play right tackle. But but even I, I said that like it wasn't obvious, right? Like Matt Gano sucks, but. Even if the drop off wasn't s- massive like that, I still think that that's the best move is to move like even next year if we have a better right tackle veteran, you know, on the roster. I still think the best move would be to move Neal to the left side and then elevate that backup guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel great about the tackles. I think this is the best starting. I mean, let's really think about it. this is the best set of starting tackles we've had since the glory days of the giants offensive line 05 yeah. through 09 right
1: i can make a case it's the best pair of tackles in the division
0: i would say who would they they would be competing more with philly than dallas right i mean tyron mm-hmm. smith not that tyron smith isn't good he was for the longest time the best left tackle in the division by far uh, but you know with the injuries he's had over the past 3 4 years now i he may I, he might retire mid-season next year and it wouldn't surprise me, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, I think you'd be competing with Philly there, with Lane Johnson at right tackle and uh, that, that, that dude at Mailata, Jordan Mailata, I think is his name, mm-hmm. at left tackle. That's a that's a pretty solid group, but I think that, that really is it. It's Philly and us. When was the last time we had anything offensive line related as good as Philly? 05 through 09?
1: Yeah, we're talking 15 years ago shit <laughs> <laughs> a long time
0: ago yeah that's that uh um i feel great about the tackles and then when you add in daniel bellinger as that tight end who's going to be in line next to either andrew thomas or evan neal i feel i feel fantastic it's the best i've felt in a long time uh D- daniel bellinger is no like rob Mukowski, you know what i mean <laughs> um in the inside Yeah, Glowinski is the big one there that they signed to a three-year deal playing at right guard. They went out and they drafted Josh Azudu to presumably play left guard. Um, They also drafted Marcus McKeithen from UNC, a right guard, but I'm a little bit more lukewarm on him. They signed John Feliciano to play center. They said that right off the bat, and then they kind of brought in just a bunch of scrubs to compete with the scrubs that we had left over, right? Right. Gates, Wes Martin, Shane Lemieux— uh, ben Bredesen. They came and they brought in uh, Jamil Douglas and Max Garcia, and you know then they drafted the two other guys, and that's kind of going to be the competition there. I wouldn't get my hopes up too much for Marcus McKeithen. Uh, you know, definite right guard, definite big body guy, gonna push some people out of the way, but you know he's he's a big slow moving guy. I, I just don't know he's gonna have too much trouble with the faster guys on the inside. But Josh Azudu, I actually feel really good about. Um, I had not done work on him prior to the draft, so this was my first uh, adventure with Josh Azudu, and I felt really good about him. And the dude has played like four positions at UNC, and he switches positions sometimes within the same drive. They'll they'll be driving, and they'll just call a play, and he'll have to play left tackle, and that's. Okay, no drop-off. Dude is really athletic, gets to the second level really well. He's uh, More than anything, when we talk about that versatility, that shows me that he is so smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you it, in the middle of drive, that means you have to know at the drop of a hat exactly what the left tackle does on that play, right?
1: It It's the position group that's had the biggest inc- uh, improvement in talent, ability, and everything. I think is, is the offensive line. This offseason? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I and for the emergency work that they did to, you know, just kind of get people in here with just the draft picks that they have and and the money that they have to use, they did a pretty good job of getting bodies in there. And I think it's addressing this kind of shit that really ultimately was their priority over James Bradbury. You know, I know I know the big contracts are the big targets, but they spent decent chunks of money getting Glowinski in here getting Feliciano getting Garcia I mean like yes mm-hmm. it's not a ton of money getting Garcia or Jameel Douglas but they didn't have to do that it was that. targeted
1: spending it was yeah. like you know surgically spent
0: Glowinski was their big spend you know they they and they didn't necessarily need to do that if they didn't want to um I would say that's more the priority than than like saying like edge was over corner because I mean, if Edge was a priority, they would have brought in more than Jihad Ward. You know, right? They could have thrown bodies at that position. They didn't. You know, I, I think I think that was a draft pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I honestly feel lukewarm about the interior of the offensive line. Is that
1: bold to feel that way? Maybe a little bold. I mean, again, I think I, I think I bar feel the was most so nervous low about center. Anything is better, but the, the question becomes: Is it adequate? Yeah. And then the next step is is it good? I mean, have we elevated to adequate? And is adequate good enough for right now?
0: There's so many new pieces, all learning a new playbook, it's hard to tell. Um, You know, this could be, in theory, good, but just because it's a new year, it might take time. They might have time to give, you know, who knows? But Mm -hmm. I at least feel. I feel good that they prioritize enough that there is a legitimate competition for five posi- for honestly for three positions here. Not even. Well, I would say there's a legitimate competition for two positions on the offensive line. I think Glowinski almost for the money they paid him, it would be a shame if he wasn't the starting right guard. They think there's no way Neil and Thomas are not starters. So right. you you have all these guys that I just mentioned well,
1: he's not gonna, he's not going to get the job just because of the money they spent on him. I mean, if there's still competition. No,
0: yeah, I mean, obviously, but okay, so then if somebody beats him out for the starting right guard position, then we're in even better shape than I thought because mm-hmm. they have this guy not now backing somebody up for all this right. money
1: well it's, it's it's high quality depth is what it yeah, is yeah
0: exactly so I would which feel is something even better which we haven't had in
1: this offensive line in as long as we've had dom- haven't had dominating guys on the line Oh, no, we haven't even had
0: good starters depth that's Christ. what I mean yeah yeah
1: um, it's just a- having dominating guys who start I did do
0: work on the, in the draft process on Josh Rivas interior offensive lineman from Kansas State I don't even know if that's how you say his name if it's Rivas or Rivas um Big dude, 6'6", 3'35". Uh, I didn't feel that great about him in pass protection. Uh, and that's why I had him as a somewhere between 5th and 7th round. Uh, you know, the pass protection is kind of trash. But in the run game, he's, he's a mauler. So it was worth it to do an undrafted free agent kind of swing for the fences there. Uh, I feel okay about why not, right? Um, like I said, I, I had him somewhere between the 5th and 7th round. So... I saw something in there, but even if he makes the team, again, his pass blocking was was so shitty. I really wouldn't be surprised if he was just depth. Uh, that was developmental. You know, who knows over the long period of time. NFL coaching. Kansas State isn't really. You know, I, I know there's the Cody Whitehairs of the world that came out of Kansas State, but they're not really pumping out NFL talent anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I feel I typically like like I typically do after the draft, I feel better about my team than
1: I did going into it. Oh, I definitely think uh I it's hard not to. I mean if we yeah, if we right? felt worse after the draft then who oh, God. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> I mean the question becomes do you feel better after you know
0: spring training or the cuts whatever the that fuck to be made
1: too. I mean do we feel better I mean we have to oh, yeah. the Bradbury you know losing him as part of the total equation do you feel better
0: oh well yeah but i think i was just so conditioned to expect that that i already felt that going into the draft you know so so the answer to your question no but ultimately i was already prepared for that
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean obviously i think the, the cornerstone pieces were got this year i mean we we had mentioned this before that uh you know if you're worrying so much about getting yourself in position to draft a quarterback next year, you've wasted a year of getting cornerstone pieces to build on. And, uh, you know, we are now set at tackle. We are now set at edge. You know, those are important things that are very, very expensive to get on the open market. Yeah. And we have them under, you know, rookie contracts for, you know, five years. So, yeah.
0: I, mean, I, I feel pretty good about that too. Yeah. The fact that they're yeah. here for so long.
1: And I don't have the timeline of playoffs or bust this year, so I think uh, major strides have been made. I think I need to see as much, if not more, you know, pieces in next year's draft and free agency next year. You know, this is a good foundation, but there's still more work to be done. And this year is about, you know the Brian Dable coaching philosophy and installing what he wants to do on offense and Dale's defense and establishing that culture on defense and well you know to me success in the season is going to be am I going to see a team in December that looks a heck of a lot better than it did in September you know, it would be great if they're playing games that are meaningful in December but I don't want to see a repeat of what happened last year where this team just fell off a cliff and you know because of performance because of roster construction because of whatever i think those are the, the, the key things for me I,
0: I think the one thing that i would add to everything you said was to to not be lulled back into the 2020 thing you know where we, we start terrible and like it's easy to do this by the way so like this isn't a criticism of fans but like you know you're rebuilding a team you've got a new coach new schemes mm-hmm. new players right all new players brought in you know, that this this front office likes, you know, all new players in the draft. And if they start off like shit, they're probably going to be shit, you know, next year. They start off like shit, they lose the first six games, and then, you know, then we have that conversation. It's like, well, they won, you know, eight of their last 11 or something like that. Don't, don't get too caught up in the momentum. Just remember the fundamentals mm-hmm. of what we're watching here. You know, are they yeah, scoring and, points? And, and again, are they protecting the quarterback? You know what I mean? Like...
1: And, and don't uh, I mean, you, if that starts up again it's just PTSD that you have from past years and past regimes yeah. really, it sucks
0: I mean it, it's annoying to have to view an NFL team like a peewee team right where it's just yeah. like well next year after I'm done coaching them this year there'll be something like yeah it sucks but I'm sorry if you do it now uh, you'll feel better later I guess was yeah. where I was going with that
1: I mean okay a lot of it depends on you know the schedule's coming out on Thursday we're gonna know who are who we're playing and when we're playing them you know if we start off with a brutal September it, doesn't matter, yeah. it doesn't matter what improvements we made we still may end up 0-4 and yeah. are you going to feel the same just because it's 0-4 if we play you know Dallas and you know I don't even know who we are even playing this year but you know if we start off with a hard part of the schedule right away is that really indicative of how good or bad this team is
0: yeah, really. Obviously not. So, mm-hmm. and also, no matter who Week One is, it's not going to be indicative of anything because this team is going to be learning on the fly. So, mm-hmm. whether they do good or bad, it's really not. And going also,
1: to be. we we see how this league is trending. That you can't tell anything about anybody in Week One.
0: Yeah, the I mean, way they've changed the season. So yeah,
1: last year Week One, Green Bay got their asses kicked.
0: Atlanta was off to like a three and oh start.
1: Exactly. So that's. We have to learn that you know these teams are treating the first month of the season like extended training camp. You, you see how, you know how they're treating exhibition games. There's one less one to begin with, and they're just not playing their guys anymore. And they're just easing into a season. Yeah, having an extra playoff game and an extra regular season game allows them to do that more. So, don't freak out. <laughs> we yeah. Go <laughs> Speaking
0: of the schedule, that is being released Thursday night at 8 p.m. Too much fanfare. Uh, I don't know why it needs to be a whole TV show, but it is. Because um, we're and, all going to watch it. Yeah, and, and what's going to happen is we're going to watch it, and then we're going to do an episode about it. So who am I to criticize? So basically what I'm saying is next episode will be Friday morning. We're going to kind of ju- – it's going to be a quick one just about the schedule. Also throughout the week on Twitter and on YouTube, I will be posting – quick very quick two minute breakdowns on each of the draft picks with some film stuff on the side um first time i'm doing that obviously don't know how it's gonna go but uh i don't know you know in the future maybe i'll do something different with it but uh those are already started those are by the you guys are listening to this on tuesday there will already be some on twitter and on youtube by that time Mm -hmm. so there you go Um, In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. Follow him on Twitter at the cranky fan. Follow the show at just giants pod and be sure to subscribe, like this video, etc. on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to your stuff.
1: Yeah, wherever wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you watch videos from, we're there. And uh, if you give us an Apple, we'd appreciate a a five-star rating and a review. Those really help us. And also on YouTube – Smash the subscribe button, say some nice comments. We'd really appreciate that. That would help us out a lot. So,
0: yes, you guys are the best. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, we will see you Friday morning to start off your weekend. Go Giants. Go Giants.